2: Learn more at marines.com. For PIVAC, just like Trump, it could all end with Georgia. This is Rock and Roll.
0: So welcome to the first Rock and Roll podcast. Um, obviously, John, myself, Ryan and Stefan, and we've got a guest, Tom, with us as well. Um, I know Stefan, me and you have known each other a, a fairly long time now. So obviously uh, old school friends. Do you want to let us know obviously how you and Tom know each other?
2: Yeah, so I've been running the Rock and Roll Twitter account for too long. Um I've been talking to Tom on there for a little bit. We've we've been chatting about just about everything from rugby to God knows what else. And uh, looking for someone to come out to a podcast. We've got a veteran. He's been doing the Roka Report and being an all-round Good Samaritan helping out with charities. And he's, he's, he's the king of the podcast. <laughs> he's the king of the podcast.
1: That is so. some that is some plug that. I will fire <laughs> that money in your account as soon as we are done, Steph. So, also, I he's, think we're He's say already that,
0: told you it's not only fans. Yeah. He's already made it clear. So, uh, what you're saying then, Steph, is Tom, no pressure, yeah? Uh, he's he's, he's <laughs> taking us all the <laughs> way through. He's leading the ship. It's all down to him. I'm He's he's captain of the ship, but I'm the fucking iceberg. So, you see where it goes. So, just going back to a little bit like the so one thing I, I obviously had was it's, we've known each other probably about 30 years now, 23 of which, unfortunately, we've been friends. Share similar interests but rival clubs. The the the, the bit
2: missing bit is are at the start or the end. Uh, no no. Comment. Were we not friends when we first met, or I
0: don't consider we're friends now? Gonna, well, no. We out to the middle. <laughs> the, the reason why I did that bit was it works out. We reckon we've known each other probably about thirty years because of our fa- friends and family and stuff as well. But actually, school would have been about twenty-three. And um, obviously, we we have a lot of similar interests: sport, football, rugby, etc. But we seem to, apart from one club, we seem to support the rivals. So I'm a Blues fan, you're a Scarlet fan. I'm a Man United fan, you're a Leeds fan. But we both support Leeds-Rhinos as well. So obviously, uh, we have got one thing we do share.
2: Well, it's the one thing I think I'm going to have the numbers on my
0: side then is Scarlet, because Tom's a Scarlet as well. Yeah, I'm just going to end this podcast right there then, and then uh, we'll leave right now. <laughs>
2: um, but yeah, we'll. Uh, I think we'll be on different sides of the argument as well. I think I'm, I'm fighting my own battle tonight. I think do you do. wanna do you wanna dive right in?
0: Let's dive right in. Where should we start? Should we start at the beginning? And Let's start at the first game of the weekend, which would have been Wales' wonderful performance away in Dublin against Ireland. Um, Tom, we'll have a little look at your opinion first. What did you make of the game on on Friday night?
1: Oh, uh, where do you start, really? Like it's um, you could write a book on how kind of like just I, I can't even really fathom the words just for how wrong everything seems to have gone for, for Wayne Pivac since he's kind of since he's came in I think ultimately though the most disappointing thing about last weekend's game was just how predictable it was It's like you just knew what was coming you knew we were going to struggle to get forward ball you knew that the scrum was going to come under pressure, you knew the mistakes were going to come, and you just, ultimately, you knew that we weren't a hiding to nothing, sort of, you know, especially when the island team came out, saw so a few names on that island team, just kind of like, my Irish friends texting me, and I was just like rolling my eyes, just, you know, didn't even put up a fight, kind of just knew what was coming.
0: Yeah, I think I think it's a similar thing for I me, mean, like watching that game last week, you, you know that, we ain't going to get parity on the scrum. We know we're not going to win our lineup ball, and then we start playing, and we realise that we're not going to win lineup ball at all because our throws are not going straight, or even going, not even to the right man over the man. I know Stephen has the opinion that some of the jump, but you can, you can, you can blame the. I, I, the standard. first
2: note I've got because I knew you were going to bring it up, but I knew that Ryan Elias was going to be your first scapegoat. <laughs> yeah, and so me. I'm, I'm awesome. going to I'll, I'll put it out there right against Scotland. The throwing was shit. It was awful. But as soon as a lineup malfunctions, it's always your fault. And I'm saying this as a hurt okay, right? As soon as a, a man doesn't win a ball, it's my fucking fault. Right? Ryan Elias, first lineup is perfect. Absolutely perfect for what we going to do. It's knockdown, down. It's into Gareth Evans' hands to get the ball away quick. Stop a chalk tackle. We're great. The second one and third one that goes wrong, there's no lift. So you can slag Ryan Elias off all you want to. There's no lift. You can't hit a man if he's not in the A. See, but we... that,
1: that hits on a point there, though, Steph, because I noticed that, especially against Scotland, but especially in the Ireland game as well, is these are things, this side is making mistakes now that are very basic errors. And when Wales are at the top of their game, yes, laying out has been a Welsh Achilles heel for as long as I will, I can't remember. But when when we're playing well, we don't make those mistakes. When we're playing well, The line out. You know, yes, you might lose a couple of in the air, but we're not making the rudimentary mistakes of calling the wrong jumper, not hitting the man and all that kind of stuff. And it, it felt as out across the pitch. And there's somewhere between that last game of the World Cup and that first game of Wayne Pivak's reign where that clarity and that You know, that ability to just think so clearly for those split seconds has totally vanished from this team. And it isn't even just like the lads were like less than 10 caps. You're you're looking at players here who've got, you know, lads who are 75, 80, 90, some of them are 100 cap players. And they can't even call a jump in a line out. You're like, what's happening? So I,
2: I, I've said all along as well, my worry is that we've got nice guys now. Before, we had total bastards, right? So Gatland, Sean Edwards, Rob Owley wasn't liked. We had people who people didn't like, but you knew the intensity was going to be there. And that's what Sean Edwards especially offered. They were horrible, horrible bastards. And I think when you've got people like Pivak is a nice guy, Stephen Jones is a nice guy, Byron Edwards become a nice guy since he found God, having wanted to punch everyone when he was playing. But we've got people who want to put arms around people. And I think when you look at like the Scarlet, the year that they won the title, they won it in those last few weeks because when you're knackered and you're in the back of a Six Nations and you're aching and you don't want to do it, I think a nice guy might be what you need to get you over. What we didn't do was ever start well because we didn't have our intensity. And I think that's the worry and it's how many games before you hit that level where like in club, club games, you can go a third of the season and not play particularly well and finish two-thirds. Whereas by the time your third of the season's gone in the Six Nations, that's your, that's your tournament then. You're over. Yeah. And I think that's that's the worry. But we've also lost, people are saying we haven't lost anyone. We've lost our hooker from a line-out. We've lost our line-out caller. And then with the other Gatlin where you're playing, we've lost our 12, which was always our first phase to make the line so we've lost, arguably, three of the most important players. Plus, we've thrown Carey in, who's nowhere near ready. I think Pivac's learned the hard way. Carey's not the man yet. He, he looks like he's got bags of potential,
0: but he is not an international standard, especially not to play against Ireland. You've you, you sort of used one of my, my, one of my lines there that I've done when I was prepping, and <clears throat> you, you, you know yourself. We've had, we've had conversations in chats on Friday and Saturday about how bad the game was last week. I, I simply put it as the only thing I can sympathise with Pivac around is that when he took the job, he would have looked at it and thought, Anscombe playing play well, Parks is a ball-playing 12 and does well with Foxy. One of those has been out for a year, probably going to be at least another year, and one is currently filling his bank account in Japan. So it, obviously that's the only thing you can look at, like you said with Pivak, is he's probably come into it thinking he's got those players and he knows how what's going to work. And it yeah, worked, and-, and those type of players work for at, at Scarlet. But I, I just don't see how there's any progression
2: with it. I think with Anscombe and parks, is kind of a misnomer anyway, because and Tom's already said, like, the biggest problem's in our pack. The biggest mm. problem is given a platform. Mm. We're not competing at a breakdown. The worrying thing is Scotland batted us at the breakdown. Yeah. And then on Saturday, Italy looked better than them. Or, uh, almost every breakdown around the park. Mm. I know Jamie Ritchie went off early, but Italy looked good. And then we've got to look at ourselves and say, but that's coming from implementing a new system as well if you look, every ball carrier, we've got two cle- people clearing out who drop back. Something's not clicking here at the minute, for, whether it's because players don't believe in it or whether it's because they're being told to hang back a bit too much because you've got a second less at the international level than you have it regional at regional at the Pro 14. Something's not quite clicking. But I don't think it's as doom and gloom as people uh, think it is. And I, I will not be sweet on that yet. Yet.
1: You say I'm a bit... I'm not fully doom and gloom, but what has... Don't
2: been... tell me you're not fully doom and gloom. I was in, your, I was in DMs with you
1: on Friday no, night. No, it, because it's frustrating, isn't it? Because the problem is, is... And I don't know whether this is just from, like, being a Sutherland fan and watching this perpetual managerial merry-go-round that it's just made me have no patience with this kind of stuff. But when I'm, for me, when a coach comes in the first thing a coach has to do is he has to put his stamp on the team. Uh, that is the, the first and foremost thing you have to do. Now, if I, if I use football as an analogy, Sunderland had those managers. We had the De Canios, the Gus Poyets, those kind of managers who come in and within the first week, everybody knew what they were dealing with. Then we've had, on the opposite side, like the David Moyes and the Chris Colmans, where those managers come in and they didn't put their stamp on the team. That first opportunity they got. Now the problem for me is with Pivac is the rugby he played at Scarlet was fantastic. It was entertaining. Didn't always win them games, but my god, did they play some entertaining rugby? Running from deep, plenty ball in hand. It it was refreshing to watch, especially in a league that you know a lot of the top teams are the Irish teams, where it's just that attritional kind of you know very pack centred rugby. There's no evidence of any kind of plan going forward with PVAC. And that's what, that is what's grinding me the most at the moment. If we were getting beat, but you could go, well, you know what it is. We're trying to do X, Y, and Z, and it's just not working. I think a lot of people would be a lot more patient about it. But the problem is, is every game you come away and you're looking at it, and I've thought, what have we actually tried to do here? What, what, because as far as I can tell so far, the plan has been, Give it a Falatel off the back of a scrum. Hopefully, he'll break the line. If he doesn't do it, give it a Foxy because he might break the line. If Foxy doesn't break the line, give it a Bigger. He might do an up and under. And if Bigger doesn't do it, he might cross field kick and you might get lucky and Josh Adams be on the other end of it. And those aren't game plans. They're just, right, let's throw it up into the wind and see what lands.
2: See, now I think the game plan started the show in those like 20 minutes after halftime where we started to get a little bit of parity up front and then we looked. I think Wynn Jones, I think, is who makes a break, who came on for carry just before halftime, which was, it had to happen, but fucking hell, that's harsh to, to, as a Was he like 22, something like that? To, to, as, to take her onto your shoulders that he's going, I haven't even got faith in him to finish this last minute because there's a scrum against us in our half. Fucking get him off. That's harsh. But when Jones come on, made, instantly made a difference. He makes a line break and we play on the front foot. And everyone's talking about how well Lloyd Williams played. And I don't think he did. I think Lloyd Williams played. He came on, and, but we were on the front foot. We broke that line and we looked to offload. We were looking to offload. We popped up the tackles. We played off the floor and it was quick ball. And I can play scrum off with quick ball. I can fucking pick a ball up. You first went to the rug, give our ball, and that's all we did. He didn't do anything special, like Williams. He just had the opportunity to do it on the front foot. I think Gareth Davis was a bit slow and he hasn't looked right for a while, no, so we no. say.
1: I, I would agree with that. I think Gareth Davis has looked as shakiest as well in a in an area he's normally fairly solid in. And after the box kick box kick off the back of the ruck, mm-hmm. his box kicking recently has been fucking dreadful.
2: See, I've always argued that that's a weakness for me. I, I, Every time he goes to box kick, I fucking cringe because I I know something's coming. But he got charged. The worst thing about his box kick this week was he got charged down and then he watched it. He looked at it as it bobbled round. Just fucking dive on it. Mm. Do anything. Don't just watch the ball bobble over the line. But Gareth Davis did give us something in defence whereby he's still doing that blitzing out of a line Like as if it's to intercept a pass it's almost like watching Barcelona or watching Leeds under Bielsa when it's cutting our passing channels out Gareth Davis does it every time and there was a number of times on Friday where Ireland looked like they had the overlap I think twice he got in between the the ball, carrier and and low. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: otherwise we're in the shit so that is what he offers us we're back on a bench for we'll talk about that later I know that you want to talk about that later but we're back on a bench gives me a little bit more uh, hope as well
0: the um, the other thing I was thinking of as well is with, with in regards to my favourite player that we touched on earlier on Ryan Elias. He's he seems I don't know if he, what you think on this, but for me he doesn't appear to be good enough to even play for Tranetti, let alone the Scarlets and Wales. I don't see why. I know we've got not many other options, but just general player. Uh, it's he it's Arsenal. He's he's looked. Yes, he my my problem. Is I
2: think he can cut at our level, but we've got options. Is the worry? Especially in Elliott D. Like Elliott D looks an international quality player to me. And has done for a while. And then he finally broke in at the and Then you're like, okay, he might get his chance. Mm. Stays in under pivak and then drops out. I don't know why we're not starting Elliott D. He looks a natural successor to kind wins to me.
0: But I am I'm saying that no no one my luck in the summer Gatland will take Ryan Elias to South Africa anyway. I need to be the starting hooker in the in the test, no, no, my uh,
2: I'm going to start. I'm good. It's I'm bringing penalties into this podcast for when it goes because uh, you're you a pound every time you mention a fucking lions. Although I bought tickets this week, so I'm going to mention it later probably.
0: Right, so let's move on to the next game that was off
1: Hang on
2: again. I'm not done. I'm no? not
0: done. <laughs> why not?
2: Uh, why not? not? We've got I'm
1: a whole podcast of this, man.
2: Ah, oh, listen, a good, a good half of this podcast is going to be Wales because this is what this is what we need to talk about we can move on to England, Georgia for what I can sum up in about five minutes No, fucking...
0: well, I, that's, that's, that's missing out Italy and Scotland
2: isn't it? I'll move to that, that oh. one was actually worth watching England <laughs> came, can't read anything into it it was exactly as was expected absolute shit Jamie Jones was, uh, Jamie George was brilliant Owen Farrell was funny getting fucking handed off and slammed into the turf a okay, game of shit to watch. That's the that's the only thing. We'll the time we would
0: have taken up now, we'll move back on to Wales. And and that basically covers all my points apart from the fact that England played with three
1: centers and that was it, Everything else you covered. Uh <laughs> these I, w- I will say one thing, mind, is going ahead looking ahead into the weekend, depending on when this goes out. But Georgia are a massive banana skin for Wales going into yeah, the weekend. Yeah, massive. Especially with such a young team and you know, Georgia, I think they would have liked they would put up a better game against England than what they did. Obviously, mm. there's a lot of difference between the tier one and tier two nations. And we could, you know, people can talk about that until the Cows come home. But I feel like this is a side who really want to stamp the credentials and prove that they are worth being in the debate, especially when it comes, you know, comes around the kind of like it be or a two uh, tier two, two tier six nations rather. So they're going to be smarting from last week. They, yeah. are going, they are going to be wanting this. And I think, aside from Italy, if you're a Georgian coach, you're looking at the teams around you thinking, yeah, we might give Scotland a game. Oh, you know, Ireland probably write it off if, if that comes. But you, you're looking at Wales on the back of six defeats, you're thinking, if you get in our, our face, the first 10, 15 minutes, you get a hand in that scrum, get yeah. the ref on side. You you can cause an upset there quite easily, and they're probably going to going to look at as well.
0: They're probably going to look at Saturday with Argentina beating New Zealand and take heart from that as well. That oh, if absolutely. someone like them can do it as well, then obviously it's going to it's something that Georgia could do.
2: But Tom's it, It's all about the platform. They're going to look at it and say, "Well, Wales' is scrum has gone backwards now for for three weeks. Like Ireland got the better of us. We didn't look good against France. We did nothing against Scotland. So Georgia'll be looking and saying that's so, I mean, it is a bit lazy." Am I put to say about you because Georgia Scrum hasn't looked right for a while in the World Cup, they didn't look great. It's not what it was. I but they, they're still more than capable of coming up against us and doing something. What well, Wales are gotta do, this is the first time I think I've put uh, I've put we've put a team out of second string players and then f- genuinely feel like it's an audition for a place. Yeah. Like We talk yeah. about it every autumn when we play yeah. uh, the second-tier nation and it's like, oh, well, these boys can step up. And realistically, you all know none of them are going to break into that 15. At best, it's a World Cup year and you might break into a squad where you weren't going to before. But generally, with Pivac coming in and bringing these new ideas, some of these boys that are stepping in look like Pivac players. Yeah, Like Sheedy mm-hmm. looks like a Pivac player. You look here Kieran Hardy looks like long-term, the, f- the scrum half. Uh, Louis it. You're looking at the boys who are coming in there, Johnny Williams. I say we're crying out for a twelve at the minute. It's a it's a massive one for Johnny Williams. And I know people say, I ah, what's he really done? But he's on Eddie Jones's right now when he's it yeah. but you know, England are looking for cover for a World Cup. He's he's a, looks a good player. Pivax obviously picked him out from two years ago and said we need to bring him home. Yeah. So if you can call it home. I mean, he's born in England, raised in England, played all his rugby in England, but let's bring him home. His middle cool. name is yeah. um,
0: He's Welsh after tomorrow, so that's all that matter. I mean,
2: he's Welsh. He, talks, he said, he said oh, my, my middle name is There's no denying you know, my Welshness. Yeah. But it genuinely feels like these boys can stay. And I look at the pack, and in some areas, that pack looks better than the pack we've been using. Mm. I, Jake Ball, for me, is one of our most underrated players. They say we've got Elliot D, who hasn't been given the opportunity. He should gear? Go. We've got Win Jones coming. In. You look at that pack and that tight five, especially. And you say, all right, you drop Alan Wynn in here. And what we've got to, we've got, got to come to a, terms. I you going to say then drop
0: Alan Win? like,
2: what? Well, what we've got to come to <laughs> terms with is that's yeah. probably going to happen over the next year because oh, yeah. can you see him playing beyond the Lions? If
0: if Pivac's in charge, no. I think I, even if Pivac's not in charge, who's going to keep him in? Eh?
1: I don't. I don't think he's. You know what it is, so I think it's one of those where he'll go out on the Lions because I think the Lions is a really good opportunity for him to mm. go out as a winning captain. Mm. I do yeah. I do honestly feel like he will be Gatlin's choice as captain. And I think, think you know, bet your house on that as long as he isn't injured. And I do think that's going to be the crescendo on which he goes out on. Mm. Because honestly, he's a, he's still superb at the age he's at. But like we saw with Sam Warburton, obviously, at younger ages, at one point, you've got to stop and go, how much longer can I do this for? Because we've seen so many players go go on two or three years longer than they should have, and they've ruined the quality of life down the line. Sometimes it's known when to say a stop, mm-hmm. and I think he's a perfect guy with, especially we're holding the Caps record now, is, you know... a. a Potentially a winning Lions captain is that is that is the way to go out, it, especially if he can do it against the World Champions.
0: Mm.
2: If he, he wins, a Lions has as captain, you go. What else, other than a World Cup, and he's not going to be able to hold on to another World Cup mm-hmm. and win in Europe, which he's not going to do with the Ospreys. What's he got left to do?
1: Yeah, got go out at the top there.
0: Yeah, I think he also he also, I... he also seems like the type of person that wouldn't preempt it. So I don't think he'll mention it. He wouldn't say, "I'm going out after the Lions." It'll be something like, "If the Lions final test that they won two one, he'll go right. I'm finishing now. and he'll he'll, we... he'll announce it then. He won't sort of give give anyone the heads up beforehand because he's the type of private person he is, isn't
2: he? Yeah, he's not a sentimental person no. anyway, and that's the thing. And he's also a person who's got, like I say, his future set up. He's completely. He's been. He's he's lowered up to the he's like fucking an angry Ali, Ali McBeal, mm. so he's he's got everything sorted for after rugby. He's not like certain players who'll keep going because, what am I going to do when rugby's over? You don't get that feeling from him. I think I think we've got to get used to life after Ali Win,
1: mm.
2: however that looks.
1: I think in the same breath as well, we've got to start looking at life beyond Jonathan Davis as well. Yeah, that's another one. Is, Absolutely is. You know, is and rightly so, the Alan Wynn thing is a huge worry and it's a concern on the mind of every Wales fan. But my God, is Jonathan Davis ain't going to be far behind him? Mm. You know what I mean? Y- you may see, it, he might just squeeze a World Cup out of himself, yeah. but that would be on the on the very very limit. And he wouldn't if he did squeeze a World Cup out, he wouldn't be a starter. Not not at that age.
2: Yeah, we're seeing so many more of these injuries creeping in with him as well. Like, the World Cup, he shouldn't have been playing. That semi final he wasn't fit. And this was the thing for me as well. We talk about how things have changed under Pivak, But you look at the way we went into that game against South Africa, and things already looked like they were on the side. Like, depth-wise, we already didn't have a lot. Like Parks and and Foxy were sent out like they were fucking mummified. They've got so many bandages and they 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 looked. For, I, didn't he say that even playing the the bronze final that he was told he might never play again? Yeah, Foxy because he was it was knees were so fucked, and then but we still put him out like in a fucking bronze final game.
1: To be fair, you make a-, you're making a good point though because fucking Gatlin, you know we can go in on PVAC all we want and all the rest of it. But ain't no denying for all the good he's done. Fucking Gatlin got out at the right time, mind. Yeah, he's yeah. pulled yeah. a proper, proper thirty yeah. because the gap between what we what we had and what was coming in is fucking. It's like a chasm, the void of it. Like not not to to be unfair on players, but I'm looking now if he's playing Williams on the wing. You've got half penny at 15, which is fine. But then you're like, right, like, well, who's coming in after half penny? Who is genuinely of a high quality? And you're like, and yeah. hell, we're scraping the bottom of the barrel already. And I think Gatlin kind of knew that because it was like, well, aye, I could probably stay on a couple of years, but realistically, what have I got? Apart from mm. a few, you know, flash talents like, you know, V Summit was sort of, sort of coming through and all the rest of it. He was getting quite close to the point where I think you would you would have to be considering calling up players like Cuthbert again if the could come but you look the at border.
2: those sort of like icons then of the Gatland era right we've got like the back three we've got Fallato left Lydiet's on his last legs he, he's still a quality player and still an immense club player but and, he's not on the other level internationally. Warburton's gone hmm. Arlen wins like we said it's his last year. Foxy's looking doomed. It was all a lot of it was built on Jamie Roberts, who's not international standard anymore. So, we look at those icons of the Gatlin Diva that the old team was built around. There's not many of them left. Ah, nice.
1: So, I know, I know people
2: have been saying about Gat, uh, Pivac's come in and sort of ripped up the, the tactics and the footage, and he's changed, but he's kind of had to. It's not like you could make a subtle change because all those major pivots
1: but they are there. Can you rely on them now? Yeah, yeah. If they even still there? Well, it's definitely revolution, not evolution, isn't it? Uh, mm. I think that was the, the main line on the on the kind of PIVAC reign. I just think a lot of people are a little bit disappointed, me included, about the way we played the rugby. However, that being said, if he now puts this squad out on Saturday, to play well, to play the kind of rugby that he wants them to play, and they put the hands up for selection is that might just kickstart something because the players who are sat there now, who are thinking to themselves, well, there's nobody really pushing me. And you're looking towards your George North, who's done nothing now for a while. You're looking at, I wouldn't say Josh Adams because he's been starved the service, but you're looking at Gareth Davis as well. To an extent, uh, you could see it damn bigger as well. That's exactly are, what I was just gonna say. These players are gonna have to start looking over their shoulder, and it's gonna be right. I've either got to fucking adapt to survive, or I'm gone. Because I think with the Rhys Carrier thing, when he subbed him off on 39 minutes or whatever, the one thing he did show was, I'm not gonna take shit. Yeah. I'm just not. If you if you aren't at that level, whether it's the first minute, the 79th minute, or on the training pitch your fucking hooked son, like, back in the sheds for you. And it's I think show... it is
2: the first time we've seen that ruthlessness from Pivak. Mm.
0: And it shows it as well that he's going to be his own man, I suppose, because I read a tweet this morning, it's how how harsh does it feel if you're... Um, <clears throat> I've, for, I've, I've forgotten his first name. What's John Fox's brother's cabin? It'll so be. so he's been in two squads, been on the bench. He's brought in two players out of the squad that have both started ahead of him and he's there. Yes, granted, Grant he probably, probably couldn't start him at six if Tipwick's going to be seven. He's more of an out-and-out out seven, James Davis, but he's got to thinking, well, what am I doing in this squad? They've just brought in someone, like both of them come straight in, Shane Lewis Hayes came straight in and Cabby's not even getting a start.
2: I, I think Cubby would have known what he was being useless when he went in, though. It was because Pivak knew he was reliable on the short term. He understands the game he wants to play. And then the other boys are coming through the, I don't think Cubby's ever going to be first choice, but he'll always be around our team because he's a big personality and he understands what needs to be done. And he will back Pivac because you know when they were at the Scholars together, they used to used to travel in together and things. You see, that they, 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 they got they go on really well. And so it's nice to have our guy in it. Like yeah. England in the in football talked about having Gaza I missing out in '98 killed him because he was the big personality that when you okay. needed someone there.
0: The one thing for me that I've read this week as well, which is I'm hoping will be a major thing when it comes to the Six Nations, is having someone like Ellis Jenkins back. Because even even being in a couple of training sessions, apparently just doing some fitness stuff this week with the Blues, but John Marblehill has come up and said like he's been he's been fantastic with the leadership group. Like he's taking stuff on, even, even though he's not going to be playing properly for another six eight weeks. Does he start for you? Does he come near that first team squad for you? <clears throat> is he better than Tipperick? I would I would start him at six.
2: ahead of uh... Shane Lewis, who's I would start with six. So, so look, we need someone that we can shout, give it to Shane at. So he's got to start, <laughs> do not he? There's, there's, there's fans in the crowd with nothing to shout now for a good five years. We, we need
1: a Shane. What what about just just kind of discussing that back row? Obviously, we've got Navidi to come back in yeah. as well. And to be fair, I know he's not quite hit the heights as what he did the World Cup, but there's still a player in Wayne as well. Yeah. So that that's an area where they're probably. In all honesty, there's probably a little bit of an embarrassment of riches there in terms because there is three or four players who can play across that back line. and then if you include Cubby in there, is like a utility who will do, you know, will play six, seven, or yeah. eight, or centre, or on the wing, yeah, or, <laughs> head or loose head which yeah. is probably his problem to be honest. Is is I think Cubby's a, he's too much of a utility player. He's like, any he's that he's that tradesman. Any.
2: I know that the uh, certain people reported today that Pivac spoke to Dean Ryan about converting Aaron Wainwright to an eight because he wants him to be an eight because he said he, it's all about he wants to build footwork off the back of a scrum, which is an indication again of where we want to go. It's all about that. We're going to open up and try and play rugby from the start. Like there's no, there's no shunting up first to try and draw in defenders. We're gonna we're gonna play the game. So I think what we're going to look at then if you're looking at Wainwright at eight, we've got tipbrook has got to play at seven. Yeah, he's he's got he's again one of the few world class players we've got. Which is another thing we've got to look at: how, how many world class players did we genuinely have but, a few years ago compared to now?
1: But then, where where would you where would you fit Navidi in? And I mean, to be honest, obviously, Pivac's in the job because he's a lot better at fucking knowing rugby than I am. But for me, looking at it from the from the outside in surely Wainwright would be better left at six. And if you want to convert someone to an eight, Navidi's your man for that because he is so fucking strong and he's so good over the ball. Is if Because if you get dragged into that battle where your eight's going to have to do a little bit of crash ball every now and again, because you're not going to come up against teams that were going to let you play off the bat of the scrum all day long. If you want someone who's going to be in there, bit of fucking crash ball, bit of rough and tumble, I think Navidi's your man for that. Yeah.
2: But Gatlin... Uh, Gatlin, there we go. In <laughs> remember, he likes that kind of eight as well. Like John Barkley played there. Ty Burney dropped on the second row to play. He likes a, a, a light on his feet, almost eight, which sounds mental to say is an eight.
0: But To, to, to be fair, though, I, I would probably say, although he stature-wise doesn't look it, Naveed is. For a big lad, he's quick. He's good on his feet. He's got a good step. So that could probably fit. And and it, it pains me to say, it, if we're going to tar. Alan winning and Foxy in that brush, but you probably have to put
2: Toby in there as well. I think it's coming to that point. And again, what we're seeing with, with Falata was injuries. Like yeah. he's constantly been, and that's been for a number of years as well That when he's getting injured. But I think we're going to look at, I think Shane Lee with who's will start at six. We'll look at Wayne Wright at eight. And I think Tip Rick will start seven and then Naveeddie will be off the bench because, as someone who can cover everything, mm-hmm. that's, that's what he'll do. I'm trying to think. Of, uh, the big one under Pivak has always been, who oh, was that five? And like I mentioned, Tygburn. Tygburn, it was built on him. And then when Tygburn went, Scarlett brought played Thompson in, who perhaps has been like a flanker everywhere else, but he wanted him as a second row because he almost wants like a third flanker in his second row. you like to have to check up. You can hold the scrum, but more than anything, you do all the work around the park. Mm. And I think that's what he's still trying to find. So it'll be who steps into that role. Whether that'll come sooner rather than later, but I think he's going to need one big guy in there. So that's going to either be Will Rowlands or Jake Ball. But if he's looking for that kind of player, does that mean the end of, end of Alan Win sooner rather than later?
0: And you also add into the equation, someone who's not even in the
1: squad in Adam Beard.
2: I'm still torn.
1: Mm-hmm. I'm almost I'm deaf there. I, I, I can't decide. I, I, I'm very undecided on Adam Beard. Just sometimes he comes on because he, he's very rarely a starter and he's, he comes on, he, as his 20 minutes, half an hour. Sometimes he comes on, and you think, fuck now, you could start next game. And then sometimes he comes on for 20 minutes and 15 minutes later, you're thinking, fuck me, get him off with you. Like, <laughs> you know, <just>, who else <laughs> was on before him? Put him back on because he can't be doing that bad. Like, like, sort of work out some kind of uh, blood injury, like there was potentially yeah. happened in the Italy game. You mean, yeah, yeah, something <laughs> exactly like that. I like the French one where the guy kept on banging his head. Oh, aye, <laughs> it's, it's, head injury again. Oh, another fine. one. Uh, another one. Is that a brand new fun rule you've got now? Yes.
2: Well, if you want, if you want to segue now, look into the Italy game. There was that weird blood bin.
1: Yeah,
0: I'm a bit torn on this because I, it looks, it stinks, it stinks massively, stinks. However, it stinks. I think that's no, I, I think it does. But also, but on the flip side, then he did make a tackle wide on the on the touchline, did slide into the advertising hoardings, and it, straight away he grabbed his knee. And then as the camera goes to pan in, they've sort of said, "Oh, there's blood." So. There could well be blood. He, he did come on for a couple of minutes and then went off afterwards, but it does stick I, a little bit for me. I think it was the ref saying, are you happy that's blood? <laughs> Which suggests to me,
2: it maybe wasn't worthy of a blood bin. <laughs> if you've got to confirm with someone that it's blood, mm. I, I reckon it's probably, unless it's short of the dead, and it could be red ink, I reckon, nah, that fucking nah play,
1: get, get on. Be fair, in a COVID era... Yeah. Right. I feel the tiniest fucking speck of blood. Get him off. Yeah. So if that means we've got a penalty to win on the 79th minute, and Lee Penny or whoever has sat on the sidelines, you all think fuck me, he's 45 meters. This is on the kicker's edge. If he's just got a little trickle out of his ear, get him off. Just get him. (laughs) Oh. <laughs> pulling
2: at your fingernails, oh. just pulling at the edge of your fingernails, yeah. those little bits oh, of Oh no, he's got an Just anything
1: I can. So, ref, ref, he's got a cuticle <laughs> off. Get out there; that needs wrapped up.
2: But genuinely, with the most enjoyable game of the weekend not happening,
0: yeah, because <laughs> yeah, France exactly. Fiji yeah.
2: was definitely the most enjoyable game of the weekend. It just never kicked off.
0: Yeah.
2: Because Fiji have got more COVID cases in camp than Merthyr um and Italy Scotland. Muth, uh, not Muth, uh, Italy Scotland
0: was a genuinely good game, wasn't it? I was genuinely enjoyable to watch. Yeah, I must admit, and you know you know this yourself, I haven't had a conversation with me on Saturday. I thoroughly enjoyed the last 10 minutes because only then did I sign up for my Amazon Prime, so I didn't watch the first 70. But um That was watched, the worst ten minutes. <laughs> yeah, I was told that. But I've since watched the game back, and um I thought Scotland there were times in the game where Italy looked as though they were just going to blow them away, and then they were then Scotland got the the, the tries and the penalty at the right time and just kept the, t- the scoreboard sort of coming back. Once they got level, um, what what is up? I know it's for charity, but what is up with Duncan Weir's here? Like, surely he, he needs to get to a point where I, to I, a I'm loving that. it. I know it's for charity. i it. That needs to go soon, doesn't it? Hopefully, he raises a lot of money as well for it. Though to be fair,
2: well, Not I've always been a I big fan of Leo Sea so <laughs> it's
0: fine.
1: Hey, on a serious note, though, is one thing, especially I know Townsend's talked about it a lot, kind of the, the past sort of year or so, but now Scotland have really got, firstly, they've got a ruthlessness about them, mm. which is you don't often see in a Scotland Say Normally, a Scottish side is, is Scotland game is followed by a lot of what ifs, if only, yeah, if your auntie had a pair of bollocks, should be your uncle. <laughs> but is they've also, Started managing the game so so well. The, their game management has kicked on to to just a totally new level. Is the pick in the right times when to kick it back, when to run it, when to get in tight, when to spread it out wide, and everything. And when you're with the ability that certain individuals in that Scotland side have, as you start mixing in good game management, and you start mm-hmm. mixing in a ruthless side. Is Scotland are gonna are gonna start challenging at the at the top of... Especially the Six Nations, but they're also going to start causing other top teams in international games some real problems.
0: Yeah, and they've got they've got they've got two first choice tens as well, which That's right, are, I was just are, I are, are complete tens. Whereas, like you go back in in history, you look at someone like Townsend playing ten had someone like Duncan Hodge behind him, so you had a, an attacking ten with a defensive ten. You had Dan Parks, who was a kicking ten. Whereas Finn Russell and uh, Hastings are just they both can do all of yeah. it. They can run it, they can kick it, and I think it's, it makes Scotland have a more complete game having an either either or. And I know neither played it on the weekend, but obviously it's great options to have.
2: And that's what you've got to remember, like, we talk about Scotland winning this game, and a fucking entertaining game, like a good game, without either of them. they got Duncan yeah. Weir. Yeah. Like, no offence to Duncan Weir, but if you would go and like, name you, you're nailed on international tens, Duncan yeah. Weir's not a part of the conversation, especially yeah. when you've got... Finn Russell and Townsend, they eh, were two quality players, and not just in in terms of uh, enjoyment to watch. What well, you've got at the question you've got to ask, and some people in Scotland late, but Finn Russell's got those moments of class and quality. He's also got those moments where he goes a bit fucking mental. Mm-hmm. That's the one. So are they better without Finn? And it's the same as the question about Greg Ladlow, because I love Greg Laidlaw and I've met Greg Laidlaw when he was 18 and he's always been a quality player. I watched him play for Jedbra. He's always been a good player, it's clear. But do they look better without him? Because I think Ali Price is yeah. really underrated. And not yeah, to mention yeah. Sam Hidalgo Klein when a, when a European company's on. It's the bizarre one. Sam Hidalgo Klein, <laughs> watching him play at the Scarlets was absolutely shocking.
0: See, because I'm not sure. I think I've shared this with you a couple of months ago, but I a few years ago, I wrote just randomly. There was a lady that I followed on Twitter that was writing rugby blogs and asked for guest writers. So I wrote one, probably 2013, 2014, Six Nations. And I chose like the players to watch from each nation that I thought. And um, Hidalgo Klein was who I chose for Scotland. And then I picked it. And then I I never heard from him again until he won the, the European Cup by himself. And now, see so now he's
2: back in the Scotland squad, which is which is ideal. I think never he's he's been everywhere. Yeah, he's probably he's played for every club <laughs> in the last eighteen months. What he's clubs played, played for every club. I think it's for charity. <laughs> I don't know, but no, that it Italy, you kind of had that feeling that they had to do it within sixty minutes again. Like they can't shake the Something like the, the fitness level whether it's coming together last minute whether it's finances of facility, but that you always know the last twenty minutes. If they're not in charge, they're probably not going to win it. Mm. And you could see yeah, they they looked on and like there's a sixty minute. They're like the reverse All Blacks of uh, under Anson. Like you knew going into the last twenty minutes against Anson, they were probably going to do something. Mm. With Italy, it's like ah, uh, but it's they're going to fall away. Yeah. It was, a, And especially then after, you know, they lose Jake Paledry, who's...
0: Massive.
2: That's massive. He, 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 Sergio 2.0, like Parise, was great. He carried on too long. Well, carried on, if you listen to him, he's still going to have another game, but he's carried on too long. Paledry looks the next level up. He looks at the player, the natural successor and beyond for Palladry. Uh, for Parise. Uh, Duan van, van der Merwe stood out for me as well for Scotland. His ball carrying is unbelievable. Just absolutely immense. And I want to shout Duan, like Duast by Ramstein every time. <laughs> and that's but,
0: nothing, nothing to do with our, our good mate Johnny, no?
2: It was, but it was just great to see an open game. Like yeah. the, the, the Minotzi try is fantastic. Like they break a line, there's offloads. It was just great to see a team look into play like that.
0: And the one positive I took from the Scotland game was it's nice to see that um the old fashioned just fall over the line tries for props still exist with that one thing. It he, was actually he, bizarre because I, I everyone stopped. Hmm.
2: Everyone except Ferguson just looked round as he flomped on a ball. And I was like, What the f- what's going on? But no,
0: it was um yeah, it was a strange try. But all in all, I say just a a brilliant game And then yeah. I don't know I don't know if you were, Well I don't I think Steph you watched some I, I watched it back on Sunday I don't know Tom What was your What was your take On the uh, Massive game On Saturday morning For the Pumas uh, beating The All Blacks
1: Well I was In my pit So I missed it <laughs> um, I mean Like most people Kind of saw that one On the On the Sky planner And thought I could watch it uh, Nah fuck it I'll just stay in bed because you know everyone is that ah, fucking New Zealand. will thank them. What a mistake! What a mistake! This is it. Just just a shocker. But fair play to Argentina. Probably an outlier of uh, in the, an outlier of a result. So mm. I don't think everyone's going on and on and on about it. I honestly don't think that this is the Argentina we're going to see every single week. But the attitude was outstanding and I think with with the fitness, the work they've done, the togetherness of of that situation, because you know teams do come together in adversity, we've seen it. I mean sometimes they even fucking eat each other. Um <laughs> <laughs> that's, a great that's a fucking great line. <laughs> But is with that attitude I think and how relaxed the all blacks were. I think the all blacks are kinda of seen them coming and thought, you know what it is, these fuckers haven't played rugby in a long time. We're just on the back of the whatever it is cup that they've been playing Australia for, you know, put in some really good performances as well. They're probably stood there thinking, nah, it'll just be a fucking rollover, mate. Like we've just got to turn up. And it's that it's like that FA Cup time tie in it. Yeah. Like a half decent Premier League side come against a, a league one side with nothing to lose and it's just one side kind of drops their level, the other side ups it and all of a sudden you get this level playing field and the good guys, with all the ability in the world that the All Blacks have, the fucking hell, once they're on the back foot, is when you're on the back foot, you're panicking and then it just kind of seeps in from there. So yeah. fair play to the Argentinian team because they, they took the game to they were fucking brave, they were solid and all the rest of it. But well, I
2: don't think it's it's a precursor for what's to come by any stretch. I um I I, I want to interject because Tom just said that uh, the good guys, and that makes it sound like that the uh, all blacks are some of the heroes in this.
1: Oh, no, <laughs> th- no, no, no. It's
2: definitely the, the Pumas with the good guys. <laughs> no, no, no,
1: the, <laughs> yeah. the,
0: the, the two things I was going to say about players from that you pick out you pick out the obvious, which we'll get to in a minute, and um, which I think fully started the game after about four minutes. But Nicolas Sanchez, like. For me, probably the best individual 10 performance since Carter in 2005, in the, in a single game. Like he That's kicked fake everything, news. Kicked everything.
1: That's fake news, because the best 10 performance ever was in the World <laughs> Cup. Dan Bigger against England in the World Cup when we beat them. That was... Fucking outstanding, and I will not be told any different. I, I must have ran that I have, I have
0: got a great story about that night, but that, that's for another time. That's for another time. Being the only Welshman in a party in deepest, darkest Essex, that was a great night. That was.
1: Oh yeah, but, I, I almost got chinned um, in the middle of the street in Newcastle because I was going a little bit too wild. That's just
2: that's just an average night in Newcastle. You didn't even know it was a game on.
1: <laughs> no, that's it. <laughs> was,
2: were you, you were in the dog that and parrot before.
1: That's what that was. The pleasure, Drink, right?
2: Drinking Trebs and the dog. So i I done the same as Tom because I went on BBC on the Friday morning and it said eight o'clock kickoff. And I was like, fucking great, I'm up for that. And then we're in a WhatsApp group and it came up and I was like, what's six? And I checked it again and it was six o'clock. Mm. And I'd done the same. I thought, nah, no, I'm not getting up to what six o'clock to watch Argentina take a fucking tune in. No. So I'm going back to bed. And I was like, Ah, that was the worst decision since Prince Andrew said, no, I'll just pop a news night, I'll smooth this right <laughs> we'll be fine. So it was, yeah, I, I'm regretting that decision. But I know you're going to come on to it, so I'm going to come on to it and beat it to the punch because Matera yes. summed up everything that they did. like That little speech that he made, he said four minutes in, I've brought it down. I've brought it because he said, I can't see a guy kicked in the face, one of my men, that's no respect. I play for my country. They must show me respect. Yeah. And what I particularly like is as a ref's talking to him, he's completely ignoring what he says until he's finished doing his collar and his shirt. <laughs> like, I will be with you in a minute. Yeah. My shirt doesn't look pristine and this is my fucking country. Yeah. And then I already knew the result by the time I went on Twitter and seen all the videos that they had put out just before kickoff which was they had build up to the game and they were all training at home and then training in hotel rooms because they had nowhere to go. And it was it was insane. Like, it was... When you see the passion, it's the kind of thing that you see after a game usually, but you could see how pumped they were before. It's a bold move putting a video on before the game mm. because you can look a prick if, if it goes tits up. But... Watching that then after knowing the result is genuinely emotional.
1: Mm.
2: It was uh, incredible, it was nine tenths of it on passion. And and I I, I
1: fantastically for for that it shows you a little insight into the Argentinian training regimes. So if we are struggling in the line out, right, just stick your down the roof. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Get him fucking catch his father. Right
2: there. I d- well, Richard Hibbard was throwing blind into a basketball hoop while lockdown was on. Yeah, he had a blindfold on and was throwing a ball into a basketball hoop. Done, so let's it? bring him back. Let's get Hibbard back in here. Let's go. I was wrong when I said like we need to move on. Perhaps we need to move back. That's where we're going. He, <laughs> H-
0: Hibbard, he bought is hooker and Robert Sidoli in the lineup. There
2: yeah? is that what we need. Yeah, I-, I see no problem with
0: this. Barry John at ten. <laughs>
1: Get GPR in. Barry John's missed a game.
2: He's in the old arcade. There's a game on. (laughs) (laughs) He's going to watch it. Um, But no, I I don't want to sound like that prick on Facebook because you always get, like, Welsh Rugby Facebook's the the worst place on earth. It's
0: nearly as bad as as Welsh Rugby
2: Twitter, isn't it? Welsh Rugby Twitter's (laughs) got its good sides. Welsh Rugby Facebook is just all one downside. (laughs) Um. But I don't want to be that prick like who's... Oh, well, it's all passion and we're not passionate enough for these players and, and pull out the full Stephen Jones talking about mercenaries and legion. you yeah, yeah, fucking knob. But you could see how much it meant to Argentina going into that game to pull that one out. But... Segway.
0: That's why Segway. Segway. Fantastic, fantastic point just made about the tears at the end. Fantastic point... That uh, Mario was like, I need to. Like, it did one. Like, yeah. The game out in Phoenix. He's crying in the box, which is fantastic. And then you get someone who I've never heard of the next day telling him to hold hard up Well, he, he's a he's a big guy in New Zealand, apparently. Like I've
2: I've never been to New Zealand, so I wouldn't know. But to come out I'd, I'd, from the first fucking thing of blockism mm. let's fucking address is not a thing. Blokism is toxic masculinity in a new fucking package. Right? <laughs> Call it what you like. It's fucking horrific. I know this guy's come out and apologize, but the tweet is delayed as well. Yeah. So, like, we've all been... Uh, it's like he's gone out on a night out, shit himself, apologised to everyone, but decided not to change his genes. Like, fucking delete the tweet. You were wrong. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't show that you're weak. And fucking... The Irish-Brazilian guy on Twitter I was a twat um, it was McKenna who I've had a run in before because he called Island Week because they cried at a World Cup once it doesn't make you weak no. it's not weak to cry no. and to tell people that it is especially because he is a big guy in New Zealand he is well known in New Zealand so he is known by younger people as well, that shit fucks you up yeah. I, I cry true. at everything I, I'll openly admit and put my hand up I cry at everything now
0: yeah, you're used to that, you're a League United fan Yeah,
1: yeah that's true. <laughs> I, I cry after all Wang. <laughs> I think you're but, doing it wrong. But no, it, it, seriously, you have raised a good point, but I will say to these people who are on Twitter and Facebook, and want to, you know, indulge in a little bit of tos- toxic masculinity and, oh, look at him, he's soft because he's crying, right? You fucking stand in front of those blokes who've put everything on the fucking line, who've dedicated, it isn't just weeks or months, it is fucking years of their life. Like, those Argentinian players had not seen their family for weeks and Mm -hmm. weeks and weeks. They have fucking gone above and beyond the call of duty. If they want to cry, right, they can cry because that is an outpouring of everything they have sacrificed to that point. And if people want to act with big, big bollocks on Twitter, giving it, oh, you need a man up or the, any of that, shite, right? I can guarantee not a single one of those men telling those other guys to man up would stand in front of them within swinging distance as they have just done that and go fucking toughen up, mate, because it yeah. would be on the floor and dropped like a sack of fucking hammers. Well,
2: Mario Ledesma was crying. Uh, I wouldn't call Mario Ledesma a weak guy, no.
1: mentally I mean,
2: or physically. Uh, and I, he's
1: mentally and physically stronger than most people I read, including Keith fucking Quinn. I mean, to be honest, Le- Ledesma is the complete opposite of, of, of soft. Like, if you had to yeah. compare Ledesma to any kind of material, you would say he's more like fucking granite than mm. anything else. Yeah. Like... You know he is like the fucking quartz work top of a man. He's the, he's the furthest thing you can get from soft. Who the fuck is sat there going? Oh, the soft. Look, and look how soft he is. He is. <laughs> and I can guarantee it, if you walked up to Le Desma and the Desman went, "Oh mate, you're soft." You, there's only one soft bloke in that room, and it isn't the bloke you've just called soft.
2: Yeah, have you watched him eat front rows for breakfast <laughs> when playing?
0: <laughs>
1: He's a he's a he's a
0: fucking dark guy, like. Yeah, you wouldn't want to mess with him, would you? You wouldn't want to see him in Chippy. You wouldn't want to see him in Chippy Alley, would you? Fuck okay. <laughs> it. He'd out eat you as well. He'd out
2: eat you and out fight you and out drink you. And then probably buy you a pint after he knocked yeah. you out.
0: Yeah,
2: exactly. Um I'm I'm gonna do the, the serious bit as well, just because I brought this down because it is the serious side of 18 meal suicides a day in Britain. Uh, biggest killer of men under 45. It's at the highest rate it's been in a millennium and up over 10% Scotland. The suicide rate between 15 and 24-year-olds is up 52%, but just over 52. So, like, fortunately, like I don't think any young Scottish people are listening to this 74-year-old Kiwi Burke fucking has been talking about men's emotions because he knows about emotions because he has some or something like that, he said, I think people should show their emotions. Sometimes I do. Fucking dick. Um, but it's a it's a really dangerous attitude to have. So John Kirwan on the other hand, like absolute legend of the game, Kiwi fucking legend, made amends with me taking the piss for the last two weeks of the stupid comments he made about red cards and then saying about how they should beat the Fumas and laughing about it he said uh, my highlight of the weekend was the team and Mario Ledesma crying it made me cry it was beautiful and you've got to give it to Kerwin he's absolutely spot on constantly on mental health so I did say last week I'll take the piss out of John Kerwin but I love the guy for the mental health stuff he's done and he's fucking knocked out of the park again
0: I think it's safe to say using the terminology we use in a a, uh, another context on social media Steph it's very perfectly fine for anyone to go full calvert yeah
2: yeah, go full Calvert. <laughs>
0: full Calvert is definitely, definitely warranted.
1: See, it, in Sunderland circles, we say you're allowed to go full Mickey Gray, and that's not miss a penalty in the <laughs> final. <laughs> the, because, honest to God, I still not have forgiven that Matt and Twat for that. <laughs> and I love, I loved Mickey Gray as a footballer, but the I'll never forgive him for that penalty. But I, I have never seen a player in as many pieces as he was and and that's another thing like is when we're talking about mental health is it can feel like you're in a thousand different bits and you know and you are falling apart some people it feels like is this what someone wants about it and he says i feel like i'm sand and just you can't hold sand it's just falling through people's fingertips like that is the sensation of just you know that falling away thing Mm. but you know it if we can look to sport for a positive outlook on it is look of how many players have, have fallen apart. Even just a snapshot have just fallen apart, but rebuilt themselves and come back so much stronger. Mm-hmm. And I think it's just a positive message to send to people is, is everyone is going to have tough times. Some people are going to have harder times than others but you will get through it. If you talk and, you, and you, you get help and you do whatever you've got to do to get through it, you can get through it. And when we look at sport, the amount of players who've had a really, really big low got through that and then come back to an insurmountable high, it just goes to show that if you can get through it, there is so much better in the future for you than, than where you are now. Even if it feels like you're up against a brick wall, just go full Jamie Roberts, mate. Just fucking pound that brick wall, probably with your head, and just get straight through it. Because uh, Phil Steele,
2: to it. Phil Steele's book like addresses it perfectly. Because Phil Steele's talked about his depression, his anxiety, and in his book as well, he's got a, a world fifteen of players who've spoke openly about depression and the depression they had. It's absolutely fantastic, and like literally, like Phil Steele's book changed my life. I've said this before on on Twitter. They, like literally, read that book, and was like, well, because I've had mental health struggles myself changed my life I know, and I met him on the back of it, and I've got something that I'm trying to do with regards to that but again like to think of mental health as a weakness it is is bad enough and then, but then to reinforce that thought in people who suffer with mental health because you do think that you do feel weak you do feel like this is you know this is this is stopping you doing things mm. So we just need to reinforce our positive for John Kerwin's a fucking World Cup winner. And if he can win a World Cup with mental health issues and arguably one of the greatest wingers that ever played the game, you know, Phil Seal would have been a Welsh international bar for injury. Lee Burns talked about mental health issues. Tom James, who apparently Wally knows, I don't know. Um, it doesn't fucking shut up about it. Um, for these players to, to move on and, you know, on a world stage, be world-class people... That's what we need to promote. That's what we need to show people. That's what we need to see. And then yeah, stupid yeah. little fan comments on Twitter. Doesn't fucking help. Yeah. And I, I know that like Brian Moore addressed this one after he made a little comment about bulimia. Doing anything like, okay, it, like it doesn't fucking help. I know people are moaning about it, but let's not forget that like fucking eating issues and melting health issues as well. Let's just, let's just try and be a bit more like, anyway, that's my rant done. <laughs>
0: Right, so let's let's sum it up then. I know, Steph, you've got a little uh, where you want to finish this one off this week, um, and we're I'll, looking to doing something similar on, on a weekly basis as well.
2: Well, I think we we'll leave it this week with the we'll, we'll do a little roundup and we'll think, but we won't put a vote up because we're going out a bit late. We've uh, we had we had technical issues uh, recording this earlier in the week. The technical issues being that someone didn't press the fucking record audio button, <clears throat> so yeah, we I'll spent. Take, Take my we spent quarter of an hour
0: having a conversation with each other with no sound. Because the best, the best bit, though, the best bit was on uh, on Tuesday where we talking to each other without any sound, and then pick the phone up and ring you, and then got you go, oh yes, yeah, working. I went, no, no, we're talking on the phone. Oh yeah,
1: yeah, <laughs> I, I did have a moment where I forgot I put speakerphone on.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I think hang on, the, I can hear you. Yeah, you're on the phone. Oh yeah,
1: fuck. Yeah, I I just want to say as well. Uh, I know this is a this is an egg chase as podcast, but. We can't have three wheels fans here, and not mention the fucking tremendous job the football Absolutely. team have done.
0: Absolutely, again,
1: yeah, gone above and beyond. And I tell you what, the rugby lads need to watch their back because, you know, rugby's number one sport in Wales. But I tell you, fucking what, those boys need to watch their back because if these footballers get any better, it's going to be a tussle at the top.
2: It's a, it's a generally worrying, especially at the minute you talked about COVID earlier, but at the moment with all the restrictions put in place on rugby, put in place by the WIU and I get why they're trying to do things, but then you look at kids football going back and I coach a minis team in my spare time for my sins and we lost players who went to football because they can still play they can yeah. still train and there's ways and means of training with rugby that doesn't mean you have to be with it you know, but the Wru would uh, put a stop on doing certain yep. things, and they took a long time to come back. Oh, this could affect rugby at a lot. Well, well,
1: well. On, on a, you know, it's a conversation for another day. But I have advocated, and it, I don't think there's really any instances of it happening in too many other countries. But with the popularity of rugby and football, but such a limited talent pool, it would make a lot of sense if the Wru and the Welsh FA started working together. Yeah, yeah. Because there's a lot of talented young players, especially with, the, with the, the, the North-South divide in Wales, because getting from North Wales to South Wales is fucking impossible. There's a lot of players and a lot of young players in these you know, kind of almost disconnected areas. And if those two unions can, can bring players together and offer them the opportunity to play both sports or give them a route into at least one of the sports, then that could only be good for not only the national sides, but participation in sport in Wales, and as well, just getting kids playing sport, which is the main thing that we and, want them to do.
0: And it all helps with mental health as well, doesn't it? If you're having an active and you're keeping yourself fit and you're doing sort of running about playing in a park, I know my little one, I he's, he's football and, and cricket up here, but at the minute, everything's off because we're not allowed to do it. So we, the boys can't train at the minute; they can't play games. Yes, it's coming back once lockdown finishes in a couple of weeks' time, but obviously, can't, it can't. It must be hard for Everyone of all ages, I suppose, to wanting to get out there and not like even to the point where up here we're not allowed to do one-to-one stuff. So we can't go one-to-one training or get a coach because all of that's been stopped purely because obviously. So imagine what obviously some of those are going to be like as well, where they can't get out and, and do what they want to. Yeah.
2: When I'm out of lockdown, everything's great, what are we complaining about?
0: <laughs> yeah, I must admit, I, 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 yeah, exactly, I know. I, I think, I must admit, though, I've rinsed that a little bit with uh, quite a lot of my mates back home where they were all in lockdown and I was like, I'm off to the pub, I'm off to the, have a beer, I'm going to watch football and you were all sitting in your house, sort of, not able to do two, anything. For, for two weeks?
2: Yeah. As opposed to your four weeks?
1: Yeah.
2: Well played. Yeah. But yeah, we were going to do a sort of a, a, the best and worst winners and wankers. Um, I still feel a bit bad about the wankers, but wankers is where it started. It all started with me ranting about Clive, because, as I said, there's one thing I learned from Big Jim is that it's Sir Ian and Clive. So there's no there's no Sir on Clive. Um mourning about the Barbarians, funny enough, after England had just lost to the Barbarians, and he was my wanker of the week. Uh, And so winners and wankers are born from there, but we'll leave that this week, and um, especially because you'll be a prick and put Ryan Elias in. Yeah. He's he's my number
0: one pick. Yeah, you're wrong. And my number two pick is PVAX Wales. Not Wales as a whole, PVAX Wales. is my
2: number two pick. Nob. My picks were... uh, Welsh Rugby Facebook and Keith Quinn, I think were my two. So,
1: oh, I think my wankers wankers of the week would probably be Boris and his laser guns. (laughs) 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 Because honestly, I I love satire as much as the next man, but a a genuine prime minister of a country pledging to spend an extra four billion pounds because he wants fucking laser guns for the army, and that was. After the devolution issue, the fucking buffoon. So he was definitely up there as wanglers of the week. Pretty Patel can go in there because he's a fucking bully. Yeah. Right. And winners is Welsh national team. Football, yeah. yeah. And actually that's it because all the other teams I support are fucking awful.
2: Well, my uh, my winners would have been Jamie George for a, a fantastic fucking performance, buffet, a trick from A hooker, and Matera for obviously being fucking Matera, who was absolutely superb.
0: The the, the, um, only, other, the only other good for me that hasn't been mentioned is Georgie Tikashvili, who fantastically sat Owen Farrell down on his arse. Can when... I
2: actually? Can I can I throw another another wanker in? As uh, my other wanker is the RFU massively fucking up this week on the anniversary of Jason Robinson being the first black captain yep. of England and not acknowledging it in the slightest, even when Jason Robinson was messaging them going, remember me, I'm the first black captain you ever had, you fuckers. And still nothing. So on the same week as well, where Twitter had a fucking meltdown because Sainsbury's acknowledged that not everyone's white at yep. Christmas. And Twitter went, mental. Twitter went mental, including some rugby people. And it's almost the anniversary of Stormzy saying about Britain being racist and me having massive arguments, uh, including over a certain England lock denying that racism exists in Britain. So yeah, the RFU, just do a little bit of something. Can we just acknowledge the, the fucking achievement that he's made there and like create something that young black kids can aspire to? Cause that yeah. was shit.
1: Especially as well. On the other hand, when in the build up of last week's game, the WRU were doing tweets about certain players and their mixed backgrounds yeah. and so on yeah. and so forth, and they were highlighting players who would come from families where people had escaped Auschwitz and all the rest of it. So it's like it's not fucking hard to do. Is even if you just give it to the intern and go, there's an aim. Go have a read up of him. Make a little you know minute video. Bang it on Twitter. Even if you don't, you know what it is? This sounds awful, right? But even if you don't care about it, just fucking pretend to yeah. care about it. Yeah. Because you might not care about it, but there's a lot of other people who will. So don't just and, put that brick wall up and go, nah, nah, fucking Jason Robinson. Who? Don't do not do that. You know what it, I mean? it's, like, it's not hard to
2: create a Jason fucking Robinson highlight reel. No, No. they probably already. They probably
0: already give me two and a half
2: minutes, and I can put something together now that's a two minutes long because that's how fucking easily you can. It's it's insane, absolutely insane, and they've they fucked up massively, and it's. There seems to be a lot of things coming out of the RFU where they're making some of the right noises, and then when it comes to doing something, they're not always doing it.
1: Yeah, it's very easy to talk a good game, isn't it? And that's disappointing like you see as as you see as well kind of like w- with the montage videos they put out at, was it George Ford when he got his hundred cap yeah and they put all, you know they put all these nice nice you know 100 cap videos for the little middle class white boy who's done good you know fantastic let's get a fucking highlight reel of him now he might have 100 caps but I couldn't tell you a fucking thing George Ford's done apart from drag on the coat Ben Young's Ben Young's yeah. you know yeah. what I mean but that, fucking, you know, what you've done, bar, I don't know, you fly on the coattails of better players than yourself. Well done, son. But then you've got a genuine piece of history and Robinson being your first black captain and the kind of went, nah, we'll leave it, it's fine. Like, hey, who the fuck's making that decision?
2: Well, again, they make it right, because there was the big fucking fuss over uh, Swing Low being sung, where... They did oh. this big. Oh, We're going to look at this, and we're going to review this, and we're going to look at whether it's acceptable. And have you? We, we we
0: What's what's happening on the back of the review? Have we?
1: Yeah. I, I think, anyone
0: you I, I, I think there was something that came out, and I think I might be carry on wrong in saying this. but I think what they said was, they can the chariots. We be Yeah, consulted the players, and the players felt it was okay to carry on. Yeah. So, a very that Exeter Chief Sandster.
1: Yeah, <laughs> that is the epitome of I can't be racist. I've got black mates.
2: Yeah, <laughs> Billy Funapola said it's fine, so we can carry on. <laughs> yeah. As well, it's. I say They used the same ghetto clothes where they said, ah, yeah, we spoke to former players and they didn't have any problem with it, so we're going to carry on this cultural appropriation, yeah. which, uh, it, it, come on, like. We 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 should be past this now. We should yeah. be should be a little bit more forward.
1: Thing is, it, it isn't, What what gets me with it is it it isn't hard. Like it is not hard because yeah, flag Twitter and all the rest of it are going to kick off. And, oh look, you can't sing a fucking song anymore. It's political correctness gone mad. Fantastic. They're the people you want to fuck off. You you want the people you want to piss off in society are the homophobes, the racists, the fucking people who are nazis fucking donald trump supporters tories they're the people you want to piss off because these people are on the fucking wrong side like it isn't a oh let's agree disagree argument it's pretty fucking binary it's a song that has its connotations steeped in racial prejudice right it's 2020 don't fucking sing it so you come out and you say look lads that song is a little bit racist We're not going to sing it anymore. Sorry. And if people want to be pissed off at it, let them be pissed off about it because I would rather fucking George in his tweed, in his bootcuts, in his brown jeans be fucked off while he's in Twickenham for 80 minutes because he can't sing a racist song than have actual black kids watching rugby, playing rugby, potentially playing in that game, hearing that song thinking, that really makes me feel uncomfortable. Uh, okay. That, that,
2: okay. Nailed, nailed, it.
1: nailed it Nailed it And on that note We'll
0: thank Tom for joining us And uh, hopefully we'll be uh, Catching up with Tom again In a future pod
1: Yeah I'm Happy for that And I've enjoyed it boys Thank you very much
2: Yeah hopefully we'll uh, We can do another one soon We'll, we'll need to review uh, either, either we'll all be Swinging off a of chandeliers at the great game against Georgia. Oh well, fuck, we fucked. If, it, if it, <laughs> even I'm losing, I, I I generally am confident, and like pivac won't go because we can't afford for pivac to go and go back to fucking rugby Facebook. Like Scott Robinson's not coming. He's not coming because mm-hmm. he's at the Crusaders and a nice job and then a better wage than we can afford to give him. So he's not coming. So we we gotta we we going to stick out this pivac rating until at least the summer. And awfully. We'll see those green shoots grow a little bit.
0: We'll see. We'll see.
2: <laughs> I ended on a high note and he went, we'll see your prick right. I'm out. <laughs>
1: <laughs> You've
0: been listening to Rock and Roll in Association with Health and Adversity. Tackling mental health together.
1: Sports Social Podcast Network.